Hello everyone, welcome to C-Suite Talks. We speak with industry leaders, introducing you to some of the most interesting speakers and businesses today. We focus on women, money and power, as well as diversity in all areas. I'm Beth Hilbing, co-CEO of C-Suite Talks. And I'm Diane Gubin, co-CEO along with Beth. And this week we are just so happy to be speaking with Michelle Ashby. Michelle is the CEO and founder of ACE LLC, which stands for Ashby Consulting Enterprises. That's a great acronym. And her focus is on educating, supporting, and teaching women how to attain corporate board positions. And she has a really unique program for this called the ACE Board Certification Program. Welcome, Michelle. We're so happy to have you here today. Well, thank you both, Diane and Beth, for having me. And I am so proud of what you're doing in your work. And I'm in awe. I, I know how much work it takes to get these things going. And, and what you're providing for women leaders today is so important. And I'm so grateful to be a part of that. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. We're so blessed. We just love it to death. And um, we're so happy to have you today. And Michelle's also going to be speaking on the C-Suite Women on Boards. Um, this month in October coming. So please go out and register for her event. It will be fabulous. Right. And that's part of our entire initiative, Beth, right? To get women on boards the same way that Michelle is doing. So we're very uh, collaborative in that. Yes, exactly. So Michelle, tell us about your journey, how you got where you are. Tell us about yourself and our listeners to get to know you better. Absolutely. So um, I know that you wanted to know kind of how did I start a company? Well, I'm a serial entrepreneur. And my first venture, I think, was when I was about seven and I started hosted a carnival in my backyard and charged people 10 cents to come and play each game, you know, type of thing. Um, So it's in my blood. And this most recent one, I have 30 years of experience in finance and mining. I was a mining analyst and, um, and started a trade association for the gold mining industry. And I ended up running that for almost 20 years. So I was very familiar of working with the CEOs of all the publicly traded companies that are producers of gold around the world and their largest institutional investors. So let's just make it a short thing. I'm a, I'm a basic nerd. Okay. I love, ner- I love numbers. Love I love it. business. I love creating things. I love being a woman who's born in the United States and has the freedom and the ability to create whatever I want. And um, most recently um, along the road, along the way, I was invited to my first corporate board in 2005, and subsequently I've served on five, um, you know, corporate boards, public and private. And along with that, I have over 20 years experience in nonprofit board work, as well as 20 years of running a trade association, as well as a couple of appointments by the governor of Colorado on some business um, committees and And so over 60 years experience, I know I look like I'm not 100 years old, but like many women, um, like many women and you, I've multitasked my way through my career and my personal life. Yeah, that's great. Very inspirational. So what are you doing with boards and how did you get to do board work besides the fact that you were on boards? What what made you go in this direction? As far as training women for boards, is that what you're asking? Uh Uh-huh. So in 2016, I was actually looking to get on a couple more boards. So my my male mentors, I was mentored by gentlemen throughout my entire career. They included me, they supported me, they gave me financial backing, um, and they trained me in all ways that men are trained. In fact, I, I refer to myself as really a 63-year-old white guy in a woman's body <laughs> because I think like them, I work like them, I function like them, I have business like them. 
And this is kind of the magic part of it is because I was so indoctrinated into that patriarchal model and invited to all these boards, I had this background. And I watched my male counterparts get on three or four boards, retire out, and they're making six figures. They've got stock options. They're going golfing, skiing, traveling, and they're set. So in 2016, I was on two boards at the time, and I'm like, well, I'll just go get on three and four, and I'm headed in that direction. Um, at that time, there was actually a lot of media coverage about not enough women on boards, and I just didn't understand that. I was like, surely there are other women like me in other sectors who've worked hard, who've been you know, promoted by men, and they're on boards too. Um, so I, as the analyst in me came back in a rage, was like, well, let's go find out for ourselves because I really like to do my own research. So I basically interviewed 200 women over 18 months oh, and wow. I asked them, why wow. aren't more women on boards? Why aren't you on a board? And tell me about your background. And I would take notes and I literally had a file at home and I called it my superwoman file because I was so impressed with their backgrounds and felt that most of them were probably qualified for boards. Yet through those interviews, I recognized that there were gaps and there were things that I knew that they didn't know. And um, and so I was a part of a peer advisory group, which I highly recommend to everyone, you know, um, to, to participate in those if you own a business because they're so supportive. And one of my peers actually said to me in one of the meetings, she said, he, it was a gentleman, said, why don't you do something about your woman thing? Because that's what I called it. Um, <laughs> because you light up when you talk about these women. And that kind of planted the seed. And it wasn't long before I woke up in the middle of the night. I couldn't sleep. I got out a legal pad. I went, okay, I give. I got, if I were to do this, how would I do it? And started writing it down. Okay, so what kind of curriculum would I have? How long would it take me to train them? Um, how, what's my ideal client look like? How much would I charge? And I, that was it. I just jumped in and, and started developing the program literally within 30 days. I had launched my, my new website, my name, my brand, my, and I was telling people I'm going to train a thousand women. So I picked a bodacious goal <laughs> to train and help a thousand women to get on boards because I recognize that if I get on three or four boards, I'm not going to move the needle. If I help a lot of other people, like hundreds of women, now we can move the needle. And that's what I want. I'm very impatient. And I really wanted to see this done quickly and done what I felt was a very, you know, I would say in the right way. In other words, make sure they know what they need to know. So they step into that room competent and confident from the very first meeting. Okay. Wow. That's amazing. What kind of women do you think qualify for boards? What what kind of background are they looking for, especially? Yeah, you've got your superwoman, but is everybody a superwoman? <laughs> no, it's not for everyone. And so my ideal client are women who are courageous enough to step into this room of power in the boardroom. And also I include the CEO role because those two are really uh, have a lot of power uh, in them. So you have to have that. If you don't have that, then you're not going to, you're not going to be there. Not everybody wants to be a leader. Not everyone wants to get in there. And some people want to get in there and duke it out. And that's not appropriate either. You know, it's really, you have to, you have to have, um, that kind of etiquette that comes along with the functionality in the culture, in the boardroom. Um, 
when you're talking tactical, I say at least 15 years experience, it can be in any sector and it can be in any kind of background. I've had women in HR, I have women in, of course, on the finance side, I have technical women, I have, um, you know, manage general management, business owners, it's pretty broad. So it really depends more on, um, I think, your abilities to prove that you can lead, that you're a thinker, that you're a problem solver. And we can work with that and help get you to the place where you would be appropriate for a board. So let's just take a quick example for someone who has a small business. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I work with a lot of women who have consulting businesses. And let's say they've got 10 clients and they've been working with some of their clients for a number of years. They really like each other a lot. It's a very short it's a very short pathway to get on one of the boards of those companies if you like each other. And that is, comes into a conversation that's like, hey, I like you. You like me. I love where you're going. I'd like to, I'd like to help further it. And I think another way that would enhance your, your, um, your uh, goals of getting to where you want to go could potentially be to add me to your advisory board. And, you know, and that has happened for many of my members, um, for many of my candidates who've actually just had a conversation with their, um, with one of their clients that they really like and said, Hey, you know, we can, we can make this even better and make it a, a more of a win-win for everyone. If you added me to your advisory, in fact, I've had women who the guys turned around and said, Hey, since you're already trained and you've got the certification, why don't you help us make our board better? And, you know, we'll put you in that role. Wow. So is an advisory board different from a regular board? Yeah. So an advisory board is usually for a private company. So that's a, that's a mm. role that we would have as a board member. So you could be a board a director. You can be a, an advisory board member, right? And they, they play a little different role. So in the private companies, as you can imagine in startups, our advisory board roles can be more active. Like I'm an expert, let's say I'm an expert in marketing and I've been working with a company. They bring me in an advisory role. I may, may, they may actually call on me to help mentor some of the people that are working in the company or giving them advice over and above what I would have done in my role as a, as the um, actual consultant on the side. So getting more in the trenches, if you will. So Michelle, I know, like I sit on an advisory board um, for a nonprofit and, you know, they look at the advisory board as, as positioning you to go onto the board. Is that the same? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It can look like that as well. Um, And you know, I, I think it's just, the structures vary from company to company. So, you know, it can be it can be all of the above. OK, or just one. Makes sense. OK, great. Wow. How many public companies are out there? Do you have a rough estimate? Yeah. Does everybody who's trained, is there a spot for everybody? No, there's not a spot for everyone. There's, there aren't that many. So we know the Fortune 500 is 500 companies. The Brussels 3000 is about 3000. Right. I Googled it in, uh, uh, the other day and it came up 6,007 companies are publicly traded. So that's everything from very small OTC stocks, um, NASDAQ stocks, Russell 3000, everything all the way up to Fortune 500. So if we have an average of seven people on every board, that's 42,000 seats. Um, So you can see that it's pretty limited and how many opportunities there are. And that's in the U.S. We're We're not counting Canada. Um, and I train women for boards in both the U.S. and in Canada because they're so similar. And I've sat on boards in both jurisdictions as well. And how often do they meet in person, roughly? 
So, um, yeah, your requirement as a publicly traded company is to meet every quarter and also once a year for your um, annual general meeting. So your requirements are five a year for a board member. So it's a part-time gig. Like I usually tell people, uh -huh. this is you're on call 24-7, but it's a part-time gig. And you have committee meetings. So there's commitments for whatever committees you're on. And typically your committee meetings will be um, you know, potentially a week, maybe a few days before the board meeting. And then any other special situations that would be coming if the company were considering a merger acquisition, then there would be additional meetings that would be called there. Um, there are companies also that would have an annual strategic planning type of thing, which they might do around their annual general meeting or, or potentially at a separate time. So, um, it, again, it's part-time. What we say is it's an average of about 20 hours a month for a publicly traded board. Wow. It's a lot of work, and you have to think about that because even I, I sit on the advisory board, but I help them with the philanthropic committee. So we have that committee meeting, plus we have the board meetings, plus we – so, yeah, it's it, you just have to be prepared for the commitment. Right, right. And and how much are you paid if you're on a board, a corporate board? What, what What's kind of a range? And does every corporate board pay? Well, no, not they don't pay. Well, let's say corporate boards are going to compensate you. Let's use the word compensation, um, compensate you in different ways. So for small startup companies, it could be a piece of equity. It could be a potential revenue share once they get into revenues. It could be um, options. It could be um, all kinds of things in publicly traded and cash, of course, um, can be added in there. Um, and that is true for private as well as for public companies. Public companies, we know more about because they have to disclose. So we see the reports there. And typically, you'll see small companies, if they don't have, like I come from the mining industry, it's very capital intensive. So if I were to get on a very small exploration mining company board, for instance, all their budget's going to be going to drilling and trying to prove up reserves and all that kind of stuff. So the board members might get a very small stipend and then they they would get stock options most likely. Um, and those stock options can be very, very valuable. Um, let's take a, 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 sm a small cap company. You're probably talking anywhere from 25,000 to 100,000 a year. And then as the Fortune 500s, they're averaging 300 and almost 315,000 a year. And that's a combination of your um, compensation in cash, which would usually be uh, in the high, you know, 100s, and then um, also in stock options of some sort. So not bad kind of compensation. Not bad gig. No. Not <laughs> right, right. So so do you see women able to segue from like a smaller, um, you know, the Russell 3000 and get into the Fortune 500? Or do you actually have to, you think you have to be in that Fortune 500 track to get the network to get you there? That's a really good question. I have a candidate that um, took my course and ended up on the Pinterest board and then the Gap three months later, which are two very he big heavy hitter boards. Right. And she was the CEO of a pretty major uh, group. So I would say that you're more likely to get onto those bigger boards if you have that. The other thing was maybe let's say you're a leader in your field and that might be cybersecurity and there are very few of you out there that might get you into a major board um, or blockchain or cryptocurrency or something along those lines. Um, so I, I never say never because I always get proven wrong. And um, but 
But the more likely way for all of us to think about this in realistic terms is to kind of look at the, you know, look at company opportunities that are in the range of the groups that you've been working with. If you've been working with, you know, mid-sized companies, that's probably where you're going to end up. If you've been working with startups, that's probably where you're going to end up. And you probably love that or you wouldn't be working with them. Right, exactly. Right. I enjoy those smaller companies and helping them grow. I think I would be bored in a, in a in a large corporation because it's too structured. I like the creativity of being able to, you know, have the have the conversations around how do we multiply? How who do we go get? Who are we going to be acquired by? Um, you know, where do we go find someone to buy? You know, our lithium project. You know, those kinds of conversations. I really enjoy at the board level. So um, I know where I fit. That's good. Yeah, they're more fun. For sure. For sure. So tell us about the certification process. Like what does someone learn in the ASA board certification for women? Okay. So the certification covers your board governance, financial acumen, the risks and responsibilities. You have liabilities as board members, um, not just in public companies or private companies, but also now on nonprofits. So you need to know, know what that is. Um, and then we also cover gender dynamics in the boardroom. I talk a lot about the patriarchal model and what I call the executive vernacular culture in the boardroom. This is a huge step. In order to get you to be competent and confident in the boardroom, my, my job is to help you to identify basically where you came from, who you are, and how you represent yourself when you step into that room so that you're heard. So, you know, most of us are going to end up in a boardroom that's all men or we're the first woman or the second women. Uh-huh. So the, it, the culture is still there that they're used to. And trust me, they're just as nervous as we are as, you know, getting into this new role. And so it's, it's really, um, we also talk a lot about uh, of that, of that, of how do you interact with them? And I actually have um, uh, a CEO, a male CEO who comes in and and does discuss those kinds of things, like what's your body language saying to the men? The things that women are unaware of when we're in the room, and I learned a lot from him. I didn't realize that I was doing some of those things, and um, and changed some some of the my behavior in the boardroom. Just those little subtle things, and the men treated me differently, and they'd been around me a long time. Well, that's fascinating. Yeah. Give us an example. Like, is it crossed arms? Like what, what's, yeah. Yeah. So here's an example is, um, is basically kind of where you sit. So if you go into the boardroom and you sit in the same place by the same person all the time, you're telegraphing a message that you are in agreement with them. So when something comes up for a vote, they're going to be like, I know how she's going to vote because she's going with Bill. Okay. Cause I know where Bill's going to go and she's hanging out with Bill. And so that's what she's going to do. And so it, it takes away from your independence. So the point is to go in and sit in different places. And what I learned was I started sitting in different places and there was a gentleman who kept sitting by me. So he was well, doing funny. it to me and I didn't even realize it until I had this, you know, till um, John Kelly helped us with this training and, and talked about that. Yeah. You were his comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like, yeah, he was like, I yeah. know, I know that she's on the same team. Anyway, it was really interesting. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you get men coming to ACE also? Well, that's an interesting question. I've had a number of men ask me if they could take the course and my answer is no. Um, uh, My goal is to train a thousand women. And when I get done with my thousand women, we'll see. 
uh, uh, on my online courses, I can't control if a man takes it. So I do have a primer course and two men have taken it that I'm aware of out of 515. Oh, you're climbing. Terrific. Yeah. I have no control over that. Yep. Yeah. So how, how have women made inroads? Where, does, where currently are the numbers of women on boards and, and what does the makeup look like? So we're actually at the, at the highest level we've ever been on Fortune 500. We're at 30%. My goal is to see 50%. I'd really like to see parity in the boardroom. And so that's the great news. The Russell 3000 is at about 20%. I believe the smaller companies are much lower than that. And we don't have an actual number on private company boards because they don't have to report. We've, I've seen a survey that was done with 350 private companies, and it ran at 11% women on boards. So this is all the compensated you know, corporate boards we're talking about. So if we average it, let's just say it's 20%. That means 80% are men. And nonprofit boards, I don't have numbers on it, but my intuition tells me that probably 80 to 90% are women and 10 to 20% are men. And what I say is, you know, we don't get paid to do profit nonprofit boards, right? Those, we work for free um, and it is a lot of work. Um, To me, it's a lot more work than it is in a for-profit because you have a lot of people that will do a lot of things for you when you're a director of a corporate board. And so to me, the work is a lot at a lot lower level. But let's just say, let's swap it with the guys. Let's let them do the work for free and we'll take the paying gigs. How about that? Exactly. (laughs) You're so brilliant, Michelle. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Michelle, tell tell, tell us your website. Yeah. So the website is acellc.consulting. And um, and we have all our coursework there. We have testimonials. I have t- I do have my certification course now online available. We just launched that, and I'll be opening a class um, for that in the very near future. So I'll run that one a few times a year, and then I also train in my live classes, my VIP level three times a year. So all the information is on the website. That's wonderful. Awesome. So Michelle Ashby, CEO and founder of ACE LLC, it has been such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, Beth, do you want to thank our sponsors? Actually, I'll thank our sponsors. Um, (laughs) I'm just going to jump in here. So thank you, Google. We appreciate you so much. Thank you to the accounting firm of RSM, the law firm of Manette, City National Bank, advertising media and PR companies of Interpublic Group, IPG, and my firm, Executive Search and IT Consulting, Amplify Professional Services. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to listening. Yes, and um, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you hear your podcast today. Leave us a review, five stars, of course. Please go to the C-Suite website and look under events and sign up for Michelle Ashby's Women on Board. She's speaking to our group, so do that. And then follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all the great social media paths. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me directly, Beth at csuite.org. And again, thank you for your time today, Michelle. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Michelle. We love having you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great. It was <laughs> my you. favorite topic. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>